When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Hello, welcome to Kyle Meredith with It's an Ongoing Interview Series Presented by 91.9 WFPK Independent Louisville And Consequence of Sound I'm Kyle Meredith and today I'm going to be talking with MGMT Their fourth record, Little Dark Ages, just arrived recently And for the first time in a little while They've refound their love for synth pop In fact, we get into the ins and outs of writing pop music, as well as a little discussion on that debut record, Oracular Spectacular, that turned 10 years old this year, MGMT. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Hey, pretty good. How's it going? I'm well, man. It's really a a pleasure and honor to talk to you again. Uh, Yeah, totally. Great new record out. I really enjoyed this one, man. Uh, Thank you. The opening in the album, I want to point out, you know, I, I put it on and I felt like I was listening to something maybe like through a VCR, <laughs> like this album came with its own tracking dial and it felt like you were building something really <laughs> visual right from the start. Were you, were you trying to like build something specific with the way it sounds? Yeah. I mean, I think that we, although we're really like, you know, specific about getting into the music videos and, and being involved with that, I don't think we really think about it visually while we're making it. You know, I think we think more about the musical reference that we're, and, and with the first song, you know, we were thinking a lot about like YMO related stuff and and Japanese like city pop and and early '80s boogie kind of stuff. And we weren't going for like a retro thing. We we refound okay, we our love for for synth pop on this, which I think has kind of like been the root root of the band since we met when we were 18. You know, so it kind of felt natural to go back to it. Yeah, I mean, so much emphasis has been placed on the the style, you know, the synth pop and, and the style of writing you're doing on this. <laughs> Are you able to just to turn that on and off? It's it almost feels like that a little bit. Like, all right, it's time to do this again, or or not. I don't even say it again because it, it's not like this sounds like the first record. It's getting kind of referenced to the first record a lot, but it almost feels like you're like, okay, here we go on. I mean, not really. We kind of we every time we get to, we get together and we are going to make a record. You know, it's kind of like as much as we try to calculate what we want to do this time and and you know the goals we want to accomplish. A lot of the times, it's just kind of what. It, comes out of us is what comes out and um this time it kind of felt like we were ready to naturally be back in a more kind of simple pop song kind of thing and and to work and you know with that word pop <laughs> like there's certain rules of that playbook uh, I, I guess especially maybe even compared to the last two records but you've still gotta i don't know the, like it's the struggle right of um 
of being creative in the way you want to be creative, making it accessible, but not letting go of what you want to say? And was that a challenge yeah. at all? I think that the challenge was this time around was really um, with with trying to like make ourselves not be as as harsh as like critics or like you know like allow things to develop that that sometimes we would just shut down or something you know um, and a lot of that kind of involved just having a more playful and lighthearted approach to writing this time and and also really not not like cutting ourselves off. Like we this time we we had friends come over to the studio and and we were just kind of trying to allow for collaboration and allow for impromptu moments in the studio with other people way more than we have in the past. And playfulness it seems like it's been a big part of it. I, I've heard you use that word a few times in in recent interviews, and I started mm-hmm. I started um probably because of the title, but I started looking at your albums during the socio-political moments that were happening in the world, and I thought, isn't it interesting that your two most playful moments came sort of during darker, as I would think so, darker anyway, times in the world, whereas your darker ones yeah. was, you know, during uh, during the Obama years. Um, and that's sort of historically how pop music tends to go. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, I mean, like, even just the whole idea of getting into music that has an 80s influence you know i think there's some similarities in the 80s with i mean even with like the russia u.s sort of tensions and i don't know you know i think that you're right that sometimes when things are feeling darker or kind of like they're heading towards towards uh it's, it's easy to be cynical and one way to fight that is to make fun music we should dance too but it's not mindless you know we're right. not trying to make like party music well, I thought uh, that title, Little Dark Age, actually sounded optimistic. I appreciated that you put the word little in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that was kind of the idea, yeah. It's like there is there is an ending to this. It's small. It will get to the you know the other side of it. <laughs> right. And, you know, and the lyrics, you know, that does thread itself throughout. It was really interesting and, and a little bit funny to hear you talking about, you know, how we get stuck in our smartphone. And it seemed like such a very specific thing that's happening right now. Do you wonder what that'll sound like in 20 years? Like, we, you know, there's going to be new fans 20 years from now who listen back on that. Right. I mean, I think that, I think that you know, we were aware that referencing so specifically, like, certain cultural things that involving technology, it's kind of like setting yourself up to be, like, sound dated or obsolete soon. But that's also sort of like a... It's like sort of playing with that cliche of rock music too that that does that. So it was like uh, you know like I think in some ways like not not like it's the most prominent meaning of the album title, but but you know Ben and I kind of like grew up without cell phones, without technology as our big part of our life, and then we saw the transition, and now we're like everybody else, we're like attached to it. But we you know I think because of that we've always felt like a little bit out of touch, and so it's like we finally started using social media in the past few years, and we're we're you know, we're trying to, in some ways, intentionally sound like sort of out of touch, like older musicians. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting, you know, because you look back at each album, say, a, a, as a chapter or, or something like these albums sort of do play like chapters in a way, you know, and, and you look back in the very first one, you know, it starts with Time to Pretend. And it was sort of talked about how back then, you know, like, you know, it, it was it started as a joke and, and in playfulness in the way that you're talking about right now. 
these are serious topics, and I, you know, I wonder, like, how serious should we take it all? You know, if it started out as a joke, but we're, we need to be taking it serious right now. Yeah, well, I think, that, you know, the, the main thing is to, we, we want people to uh, at least, like, question what's happening right? and try to involve their brain in sort of not just accepting everything and that's one thing that I think and on the negative side of the tech, the effects of technology is that sort of it's really easy. Like, you know, you go online, you, you start reading some article about like a humanitarian crisis halfway around the world. And you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's terrible. And then like 10 seconds later, you're flipping through Reddit or Twitter. And it's kind of like so easy just to let things like pass like that, like in this like kind of dream time. So anyway, you can kind of focus on what's actually happening in any kind of realm i think it's really important and even if that means like focusing on having fun without your phone or something like that or or even wondering if your attachment to your phone is good or bad or if you yourself are are kind of participating in evil just by your comfortable daily existence (laughs) (laughs) it song's going to play very interesting live if you have you know the usual amount of people looking down at their phone while the song is on (laughs) shooting it through yeah. the phone. Yeah, but, you know, like, the goal really wasn't to try to, like, come from this sort of, like, preachy, holier-than-thou kind of place at all. Like, we're trying to relate to people and be on the same plane and kind of connect with people and be like, you know, we're doing this too, but maybe we should think about what's happening, like, what's happening right now. I mentioned Time to Pretend a minute ago, and it's worth pointing out because your first record is, it hit the decade mark this year, and, uh, you know, for an right. album that's looked at as one of the defining moments of a generation, does it still have importance to you? Like, how do you see that album as you look back 10 years? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't think it'll ever, I mean, it's, it'll never kind of not be some sort of impossible thing that happened, kind of, that, that just, without us really even focusing much attention, or I mean, much effort or intention on trying to, like, make something popular, it happened, and then, and it's kind of what sustains us now. And so, you know, we would never want to, like, deny that, and I think we try to celebrate it and keep that as an important part of who we are. So, like, even as your music's changed, has it ever felt forced to play those live? Did you ever have a point where you tried to get away from those a little bit? You know, I think that, unfortunately, the, the couple times that we didn't play those songs were, like, highly, you know, highly visible moments, like at the Coachella 2010, where the song Kids was actually on the set list, and we ran out of time. It was going to be the last song, and then we didn't play it, and then kind of the whole thing that people took away from that was that, oh, we don't play that anymore. Oh, right. That's, but, um, you know, I think we've, I'd say, like 90% of shows we've ever played, we play the three popular songs from our first album. Did you ever have a desire to do ever one of the uh, the full album shows? behind those not really um i don't know i feel like that's kind of like i don't know how i feel about that i i don't even know if i would want to go see a band (laughs) doing that you know in some ways it kind of takes it's like i'd rather just listen to the album on headphones or something like that you know if we're going to go to a concert and i like the element of surprise being in there and there is no element of surprise when you do i've I've experienced that exact same thing recently with a few bands i thought i would like it a lot more but you just always know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah. There was a story. I, 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 sorry, I want to bring up this, too, because uh, the Lou Reed story was one of the cooler things I've read uh, in your interviews lately. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know what? Just being able to have the success that had the power to even garner his attention, 
I mean, I guess you guys could have asked for anyone at that point, though, right? Did you? Did, were I mean, you? Yeah. Sort of. We, we tried to get in touch with Brian Eno to, to actually work with us, and it didn't end up working out. And I don't know. We weren't trying to like like approach it like we're like exploiting our newfound like you know popularity or something. To it was just kind of like on the encouragement of Sonic Boom, really, who co-produced our second album, and he was he was telling us stories about how he would write to musicians to get lyrics, you know, like like um, Mayo Thompson or kind of like you know there was just like this kind of interaction that happened between him and new music- musicians that he was sort of referencing and or covering, and um, I guess we were kind of work like thinking in that lineage of like let's reach out, let's let's try to talk to someone who's who inspires us and see how they how they uh, react. And, you know, I think that him saying that, like, the song didn't really need it, it was kind of true. There's a lot going on in that song. And it's sort of like, I think it's just cool that he was into the idea and into meeting us and yeah. open to collaborating, you know, even if it didn't work out. Yeah. What, a, what a moment to have, though, you know, just a, a story to have in your back pocket. And, and Eno, too. Yeah. I, I mean, a collaboration with Eno, that's, that, that's, it doesn't get much bigger than that, you know, especially at least in my world. Maybe it'll happen. We, we, we haven't collaborated, but we wrote the song about him. Yeah, <laughs> we'll put that out into the world just a little bit heavier, you know. But yeah, yeah. What, what do they say? You you you, uh, you say the what things you want to happen or whatever. I don't know. Seek and you shall find. Right. <laughs> I don't want to downplay this album. Like I said, I've had so much fun listening to it. Me and Michael, I swear, feels like a classic in itself. I've had that song on repeat, on repeat, on repeat all week long. So. Yeah, it's kind of like um, kind of like uncomfortably simple. And even when we were writing, and I found myself sort of like fighting the fact that it was so simple and straightforward. But then at the same time, being like, this is you know, it's catchy and it just feels like it's got an emotion to it. So I don't know. I liked that it kind of came at the end of a songwriting cycle when we sort of have found this creative groove and um we were really quickly and just in ben's little electronic studio and um yeah no, it's, it's fun to play live and we had this crazy concept with the video where we like tried to make it seem like another band wrote it in the philippines and like i don't know it's just been fun to kind of play with things like that where you have like this meta story to something that is actually the track that the label is like focused on from the album well i'm having fun with it as a listener so i i, I thank you for it man and i thank you for talking today <laughs> this is a lot of fun yeah yeah definitely uh take care out there i hope to catch one of the shows here soon all right man thank you it's good talking to you all right bye bye hey thanks for listening and thanks to andrew from mgmt for giving us a call today don't forget to subscribe to consequence of sounds at youtube channel for more interviews with your favorite artists and head to wfpk.org because you need a great radio station in your life i'm kyle meredith i'll see you next time When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.